It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Thanks for being with us. I'm Paul Tatino. He is Super Bowl punter Jeff Fiegels. And you can find us on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat. We encourage you this week, as we are forced to do only tape programs without taking live phone calls, to send your comments and questions through hashtag GiantsChat on Twitter, and we'll try to get to as many of those as we can. As a reminder, you can find an archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcasts. Now, of course, you know this week we are checking in with Giants alumni to get their impressions of this year's team. We're trying to go unit by unit and topic by topic. Today we will be focusing on the running game with former Giant and Super Bowl 25 MVP Otis Anderson. Now Jeff Eagles and I will have that conversation for you in just a minute. But of course, yesterday some very big news came out. A joint release by the Giants and the Jets regarding MetLife Stadium. And if you didn't catch it, I'll just give you a short summary here. As the statement reads, we are thrilled by Governor Murphy's announcement today, this is in New Jersey, to have MetLife Stadium operated full capacity for the 2021 season. We can't wait to welcome our fans back, creating the game day atmosphere we have all been missing. We will continue to work to ensure the return of fans is accomplished in a safe and responsible way. Now, those words are important because... The officials have yet to determine the protocols, the rules and regulations that you will have as you come to MetLife Stadium for NFL football this fall. Those will be forthcoming at some point down the road. But the good news is it is going to be a clear path to watch football again from the seats at MetLife Stadium for both the Giants and the Jets. We'll have some more NFL news coming up in just a bit. But now, let's go to our interview with Super Bowl 25 MVP Otis Anderson. Now, Jeff Eagles and I started out by asking him all about what he would want to see from running back Saquon Barkley, who is coming back from last season's major knee surgery. For us, like, can he still go and make a cut or plant on that leg like he once did? And that would tell me mentally how far he has come. Because you can you can physically build your body up, but until you get hit or until you actually put that leg or uh, that injury into play, you don't know what's going to happen. And that's the mystery of having a severe injury is not knowing what's going to happen until it's put into that place or into that situation. So it's going to be interesting just to see how he reacts to uh, his first hit, his first cut or or, you know, his his first non-instinctive move, you know. Uh, I think that's going to tell us a lot. Uh, Otis, you know, I know that a lot of these players, um, including yourself, we, we've all had injuries, you know. So um, some of them are, are very serious, some of them are not. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is uh, when you're coming off an injury, it's, you know, you know your body feels strong. 
but I think it's more importantly to understand where your mind is at. How yeah. difficult do you think that's going to be for someone like Saquon, who I believe, and you probably believe me too, is that you know, he thinks he can probably do anything. So is that going to be a major hurdle for him more than physically? It's going to be more mentally for him? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I recall when I hyperspended my knee the last game of the season the, uh, against uh, my rookie year against uh, the Bears, I had a chance to win the Russian title, but I lost it to walk the thing by five yards and to throw that in. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and you know what? I was going to the Pro Bowl that same year as a first-time starter and trying to get my knee, and it was hyperspin. It wasn't even surgery. The surgery was required. Um, but just getting the mental part of it is what I, I was running on it. I was doing all that. I was like, oh, wow, this feels good. But when I tried to go that extra gear or when I went to, like, press down on it, I didn't know I could do it. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I was afraid of the pain because I know that what that pain felt like. So it's going to be totally mental for him to, to, to get past it. Like right now, what he's doing right now, he feels good about it. He feels that he can trust it. He don't feel that uh, there's any pain in it. But, hey. Until you get somebody on your shoulders, somebody hit you at that leg, anything along those lines, that's where you're going to find out. So mentally, that is the hardest challenge of all is, is mentally getting that mind ready. So, Otis, when, when he tries to come back then and he gets to training camp, and I'm sure the Giants will be very cautious and bring him along slowly, that's the prudent thing to do. How many reps in a game do you think it will take for him to get there? Because there's going to be rust besides the mental hurdles that he's got to deal with, right? Right. So what he's going to try to do, he's going to try to jump out and prove to everybody that he's back and he's well. And to me, I think he's his worst enemy right now. I think his position coach needs to really watch him and bring him along slowly, gradually get him back into the, uh, the swing of things and not let him think he's ready and just go out there and try to, do things like he once did. I think he has to, has to really take his time and let it come to him, and his coach got to be smart enough to understand that he is his worst enemy right now. Well, I think one one good thing about is Coach Burns. He's he's been a veteran of coaching in the running back position for a long time. You know, his first year in the NFL last year, but coming from Alabama, I think he will be. I think he'll be very uh, beneficial for him when you talk about that, uh, Otis, because I think that's so important. Because you know, we all want to come out and impress. Uh, the organization, we want to impress our, our teammates by going out there and showing them, hey, I've been working hard, I'm ready to go. But you got to kind of put a little of those uh, blinders on and just kind of make sure that he understands that we're going to, you know, get you, milk you back a little bit. Um, it, and that kind of leads me to my next question. You know, once you get the, I guess, the clearance from the coaches and, and, um, and more importantly, you feel like you could get there, what, do you think there's going to be some guys like I, I'm trying to get the question I'm trying to get is like I look at uh, Graham Gano. He came off of a, a serious hip surgery. And what does he do? He goes out there and basically, I mean, he's almost perfect on the season. Can guys actually get stronger by coming off of an injury sometimes? Uh, you know, that's a good question, Pete, because, you know, you train even harder because of the injury. And, uh, and, and, and that makes your whole body stronger. But you, again, it's always that, that, that you really don't know. I mean, you can sure. do all you want to, but until you get hit and get up off the ground and, and do it more than one time, 
that's when you're going to realize that, you know, you, you are where you need to be. At. And that's the scary part about it is you really don't know until you, you, you get knocked down. And I don't care how much strength work you do. I know you can feel strong. You can, uh, you can, you can act as if you're strong as you've ever been. But when you hurt yourself, it, it's just hard that, you know, that injury may be better, but then something else flares up. You know, you can overcompensate, you know. And he worked so hard on getting his, his knee, his strong, his worst knee better. And then he don't do as much with the good knee. And then the good knee get weak or it's hard to bounce him because you know you need to work one more than the other. But you still, you have to bounce it. And he's so muscular, uh, you know, with his quads and his, and his, and his, and his, and his hamstrings and the kind of lifting and working that he does. You know, it just, you know, it's always scary when you get a guy that muscular running the football and put that much pressure on your body. Um, you know, it's just, he's just got to, he's got to learn that he's not Superman and, and understand there's kryptonite out there if you think he is. And he just needs to kind of slow his, slow his roll a little bit and just let the game come to him. And I think if he does that, I think he can get back to the form that he once was. But again, it's just going to take the time. The first two games ain't going to do it for him, but. Again, he could be his worst enemy thinking that he's all of that and try to do all of that. So, well, Otis, of course, you're talking about the fact that Saquon's got to be patient. But let me ask you this. Last year, he only played a couple of games with the Giants before he got hurt. So he hasn't worked with basically this offensive line but for a cup of coffee. How important is that as he tries to develop a chemistry with those guys and a a trust in those guys in front of him to make the blocks? Because the truth is, he's had very little time behind them. Well, let me just say this. When I came into the league as a rookie, I had no experience with professional offensive linemen. I had Dan Gerard up young, which are all pro guys. And uh, I ran for 1,605 yards, most by a rookie in the history of NFL for a while. It don't take long is what I'm saying. Once you get behind them and you start running, your instincts come in. What, what you know, you start reading the, the, the hole and the blocking and, and it, it instincts takes over. So, uh, I don't think it's going to take long for him to deal in that department. Again, his biggest hurdle going to be, um, how mentally strong is he about his injury and, and having the confidence to do what he did before he got injured. Is going to be his biggest hurdle, and if he can overcome those those two hurdles, then uh, he has a very very good chance of having a very productive year. And I'm not mistaken; I think this is his payday year, right? This is his this is the option year of his contract. Well, well, he he's got one more season to go, you know, because obviously uh, he's you know he's only gone through three seasons so far. So this would be number four. But you're right; the Giants would have to decide, and they already have that they would pick up his fifth-year option. If he wants a multi-year, multi-million-dollar deal after that, uh, that's that's going to be time for another day to discuss. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be based on what he does the next two years, I'm assuming, uh, uh, you know, uh, in, that, in that role. But, again, um, you know, he, he just, he, he's, he's so talented. And, and, you know, me and Stephen Baker watch him all the time. And I just tell Baker, I said, Baker, I, I don't like a lot of things what he what he does, and as a running back, I I think he don't shit blockers as well as I think he should, and I think he he tries so hard to make every play, which which naturally what happens when you come into the league and you have success early is that every time you touch the ball, you feel you can 
go against us. And that's not a bad thing to have, but he's going to have to learn down in distance and position on the field, and he's going to have to determine how much he's trying to do for a play that can continue to help him and help the team. And it's not an I, I comment that I'm making. It is a team comment, but he has to, I think, just develop and understand that um, these guys get paid a lot of money, and their job is to take him out. You know, not literally take him out, but, you know, he's the best player. You want to keep him in check. And, uh, and, and, and him trying to do just too much because of the fact that, uh, he's been out for a while and the fact that, you know, he, he, he feels that, again, he needs to show the organization and, and his teammates that he's the same old guy. He, he ain't gonna be the same old guy. I'm gonna tell you right now. He's not gonna be the same old guy. He's, he's gonna be better than what he was, which means he's not the same old guy. Uh, he's not gonna be as good as he was, which means he's not the same guy. But he would not be the same guy. Yes, because of that injury by itself. Um, oh, just one last question for me. You know, the Giants went out and, you know, they pretty much uh, just revamped the running back room. Um, Devontae Booker is an unrestricted free agent that they signed. And uh, Corey Clement, these are two veteran guys that I'm seeing that are going to really compete for that backup running back position. And, of course, they, they went ahead and, and drafted Gary Brightwell from the University of Arizona in the sixth round, so a guy that's going to learn from all three of those guys. What what do you see happening in that running back room? You know, a guy like Corey Clement and Devontae Booker can bring some experience. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go back. When I got to the Cardinals, and after my rookie year, I went over, like I said, 1,000 yards. I had a guy there named Willard Harris, who was from University of Pacific, who came from Green Bay, and was a pretty good running back. Shorter than I was, not fast as me, but just had a ton of knowledge. I just left on to him, and he taught me how to be a professional. He said anybody could be a pro, but can you be a professional? And he taught me how to be a, a professional. Barkley, uh, I believe, has to be a sponge. Uh, he has done it. He's done well. I wish I had Terry Madcap in my in my house when I was a, a rookie to learn from him, but I had Willard Harris, and he taught me how to be a professional. And from what he taught me the years that I had him, and he wasn't a starter, but he taught me the game, how to be a professional at it. And that's why I was able to get 14 years in there because I took his advice, I listened to what he said, and, uh, and I, and I, and I was afraid to listen to guys like Walter Payton, uh, Michael Harris who's sharing information with me. Those guys gave me information and I listened to it and, you know, gave me what I need. It's go, go all down. These kids today, just not like the kids were when we came along, feet were, we, we wanted knowledge and we wanted the opportunity to uh, have somebody older and smarter than us to give us advice that will make us better and give us a chance to uh, live out our goal, which is to play a long time in the league and be good at it. So it's going to be interesting. Well, when we look at that running back's room, Otis, and they bring in, as uh, Fiegel said, Corey Clement, Raquel Armstead has come in, Devontae Booker has been signed. So the Giants have tried to protect themselves with some numbers and insurance in case Barkley is not physically able to be the guy he's supposed to be. Realistically, what would you expect the Giants' running game to look like? I know we're all hopeful that Barkley can be the superstar that he was, but let's say he's not up to himself. How do you see this Giants' running back core kind of shaking out? Well, I've seen Booker play a little bit, and – uh he is good enough running back to 
to do well for us in case something happened. I'm not sure about the other guy. I don't know a lot about him. I've seen him play. I'm not sure what team he was on prior to coming to the Giants, but the Booker I seen play, and he used very elusive, strong, can catch the ball at the backfield, and uh, he's gonna be a a good, you know, bank up to what they're trying to do. In case Barkley doesn't make it back to full strength, may start off a little slow. But you got to do that. You have to protect yourself, and and if you don't, you put your team in a bad position as you put all your eggs in one basket, hoping that you know, start running back, come back a hundred percent. And he's able to give you everything he had before he got hurt. Well, how devastating do you think that would be to the offense, though, Otis? Because you look at Saquon and you figure, well, he's going to be 2,000 all-purpose yards. If he's not, you can't expect the other guys to put up the kind of numbers Saquon would. But the Giants have added so much to their passing game. Do you, do you think that they may just have to change their, their style a little bit to make up for that? Well, I, I think... Um... The players that they have, again, it's going to be the first time for a lot of these players to really get a good taste of what the whole offensive philosophy is because, you know, we had COVID and, and, um, let's just put it this way. We're not sure how much Barkley knows about the offense. I know it's changed a lot in so many ways. So it's going to be a learning curve for all of us and it's just going to be interesting. To see how they uh, understand the system and what's being taught to them, but it's a system that no matter who's in there, it should work. And that's why they kind of went out and got players that are similar to what Barkley is, so that it doesn't change if something or if he's not quite where he needs to be at right now. What about the tight ends? They bring in Kyle Rudolph from Minnesota. We all know that they're a big part of the the run game because they've got to throw blocks. Giants expect to use a lot of double tight ends with Ingram and Rudolph, although we both know that those guys like to catch passes too. How much a part do you see, or what what do you see their roles being on this offense, Otis? Exactly what you said. Uh, They're going to be probably um, more, more, more running. I think you... I think with what we have and what we took in the draft, I think we're going to be able to go five wise or four wise and keep Barkley on the field and really, really messes up some, some defensive, uh, coordinator's mind with the talent that we have. Um, but primarily when you, when you get a guy like Kai Rudolph, you're basically saying that we, we can, we can power you with our running game, but we also got a lot of finesse when we got two of those tight, tight ends in the game. It may look like there's a running formation. It may look like uh, that for you, but it really is a passive opportunity, passive situation. So there are some really pluses when you bring in a guy like that, and then you got Ingram who's still, you know, up and coming, tight end, slice, slash wide out that can do the job for you. Did you see enough from this offensive line last year to believe that they can be a power running game this season? Oh, no doubt. No doubt at all. Uh, I mean, just look at what, what, what Gilman was doing for, uh, Goldman, shall I say, was doing for, uh, that tells you right there that, that they, they, they got the right people. And it's just a matter of now putting them in play and let them do what they do 
Well, let me ask you this, though, uh, Otis, because we have not seen a lot of usage of fullback in recent years. In fact, that's kind of like a dinosaur in the NFL these days. The Giants did sign Cullen Gillespie, uh, you know, who, who's been brought in here as a free agent to compete as a fullback. Elijah Penny is still on the roster to compete as a fullback. I don't even know if they'll keep either one of those guys, and they'll have a fullback on the roster this year. Do, do you think the Giants could really use a fullback on this roster? And if so, how would you use him? Well, I think if you go back and look at teams that won championships, and and I think that was always a fullback that was a, was instrumental in, in your running game, whether you believe it or not. I think, you know, I, I, I do understand us, you know, they're really getting away from uses of fullbacks a lot, but if you look back, again, go back and look at the history of the game and look at what has transpired the last few years on championship team. Uh, they had a fullback, like runner, if they went one back, which we did a lot of, but that one back is just, just like a fullback when you got the tight ends on the field because that's your power, power running um, formation. But uh, I think having a fullback on the team is, is, is essential because it's another person to help clear out the way for a running back to to um, have vision to, to make big plays. Do you buy the fact that a lot of times the tight end can play H-back and that the pseudo-fullback formation can be as effective? It, it can be, but I think, you know, when the league took the position that they wanted more points on the board because they felt that the game was boring and and they start going with this five wide and, 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 and less running formations on the field or less fullback, halfback type players on the field. They changed the game tremendously. Um, I think you win with, with old school, you know, fullback, halfback, you know, you know, the way it was and just spread them out. And, and, and you know, cause that fullback, I mean, he leads through a lot of holes. He cleared out a lot of leverage for you and, and he nine times out of ten, he put the running back on the safety, and that man got to make a tackle, you know. So um, I, 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 I can see where it can be boring because of that's how you do it. Because most people want the big play; they want the the, the the long passing and the short pass that turns into a long pass. They don't want to see the two yards in a cloud of dust because that just seems like so so robotic, like in old like, but. Hey man, you win like that. If you look at go back in history and just look at teams who won Super Bowls and you know, that fullback and running game is the key. I mean, you can throw all you want to, but if you can't run the football, you can't win. And a prime example, look at just happened this past year, Tampa Bay and Kansas City. When Kansas City decide not to run the football and that they're gonna beat you with Mahomes arm, you ain't gonna win. And you saw that because you asking your offensive alignment to do too much. You know, and you can't put all that emphasis on your passing, passing team or passing home, uh, because you, 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 you got a guy that can throw and you got guys that can catch it. But if you can't run the football in the NFL, you're not going to win. And I just, what I believe and what I've seen and, and I'm a true believer, but that's the way it has to be done. Well, Otis, you and I are both old school guys and we both believe in the power running game and we both believe in a balanced offense. Uh, the Giants certainly have helped Daniel Jones with his passing attack by adding a whole bunch of weapons. But ultimately, I'll, I'm with you, and and I do suspect 
that uh, they will have balance this year, and that's going to be the best way they can help Daniel Jones. I, I agree with you totally, Paul. If you go, I mean, yeah, Daniel can throw the ball. I don't care what anybody says. He can throw the ball with the best of them. You know, and everybody talked about his decision-making and all that. I Listen, I saw so many times where that a lot of things that was done was not basically on him. Uh, you know, you got to, again, I always tell people, when you look at one factor to a game and you say, well, we lost because the quarterback did this, the quarterback did that. No, look at this receiver on the right route, did this ball get tipped, did the lineman not block. There's so many things that go into a success and failure of a play. So put it all on Daniel through all these interceptions. I mean, there are some that people would like to take back, but I mean, every quarterback that played this game will throw interceptions. But if you get a quarterback of balanced offense, like what we're capable of having, and you saw when they went on that little four or five game winning streak, where even though Daniel was out for a minute, but what were they doing? They were running the football, dominating the ground, and now being able to do what you want to do on third down because you had what they call third and makeable, third and four, third and five, third and three, third and two. When you can control the offense that way, then you control the defense. And now you make them do what you want them to do and not them doing, making you do what they want you to do. So, again, uh, establishing the running game going to be important for us and it's going to be important for Daniel because it's going to limit his, his throws, but it's going to make his throws when they do, when he does do it, it's going to make it more uh, accessible of completion than it would be for interceptions or anything like that. Super Bowl 25 champion Otis Anderson, it is always great to talk to you. When you're not watching the Giants, what are you up to these days? Let the people know about it. Well, you know, me and Lawrence and Bavaro uh, started a, a, a partnership with this company called Tridelix. It's a 5D technology company that can take any image of high resolution and create a a, a hologram-like, that's something I can say, a hologram-like appearance where the object inside the, 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 the picture or the frame appears to be floating and it appears to be four to five feet in depth perception when you look at it. And it's only on an eighth of an inch plexiglass, which is the same thickness of a nail salon uh, file, buffer, buffer nail salon file. That's how thick it is. So it is, it is new technology. We're having fun with it. The fans will really get appreciation of it on some of the things we're trying to do and trying to build organization. That's former Giants running back and Super Bowl 25 MVP Otis Anderson with his thoughts on the team's retooled running game. Now, speaking of that running game, Saquon Barkley is one of the favorites, according to the experts and prognosticators, to win this year's NFL Comeback Player of the Award. Now, apparently the experts think that Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott, who you'll remember fractured his ankle last year, is the top favorite to be the comeback player of the year in the NFL. But the next three guys are Giants running back Saquon Barkley, Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow, and Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey. Each of those players missed an awful lot of time last year due to a significant injury. All of those players are expected to come back this season. At some point, they'd like to be as close to 100% as possible. But at this point in time, again, without the medical information from those doctors, we just don't know how quickly 
each of those guys will be up to speed. The number five guy, according to the experts, as the potential NFL comeback player of the year is 49ers defensive end Nick Bosa. You'll remember he had that torn ACL uh, just the second week of the 2020 season. Fans, don't forget that limited giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. And don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available. or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. And, of course, in keeping with the theme of the big news that came out yesterday, let's get vaccinated. Go to COVID19.nj.gov slash vaccine to register. One other thing we would certainly like to mention, and this is pretty important because we've all had many conversations about Giants quarterback Daniel Jones as he goes into his third NFL season. Now, you'll remember several months ago when the 2020 season came to a close, uh, we talked on Big Blue Kickoff Live about some of the diagnostics that we had gone through with some tape review that indicated proof that Daniel Jones had, in fact, improved during his second NFL season. In fact, if you really wanted to get down to the nuts and bolts of it, it really comes down to touchdown passes as the only category where he really did not show any uptick. And, of course, that's a number that depends on a whole lot of other factors other than just his ability to throw the ball. Well, looking at NFL.com, There was a story that just came out uh, by Nick Shook, who's an around-the-NFL writer for uh, NFL media, and he analyzed next-gen stats' top 10 deep passers of the 2020 season. And, oh, by the way, Daniel Jones is number one on the list. Now, I'm sure you've heard about this before, that Jones has been the most efficient quarterback over the last year in throwing the deep ball. Well, these are some of the things that they found through the numbers, and I will just tell you that the top ten guys, Daniel Jones was number one, followed by Derek Carr of the Raiders, Kyler Murray of the Cardinals, Aaron Rodgers of the Packers was fourth. How many of you are surprised at that? But in discussing the analysis of Daniel Jones, one of the things that uh, Nick Shook of NFL.com pointed out is that Daniel Jones went deep just 39 times, but he says he was very effective when doing so, and his year-to-year improvement is incredibly encouraging. After posting uh, uh, some big-time numbers this past season, they looked at the dramatic improvement in a bunch of the different statistical categories that indicate deep ball throws. And I won't go into that stuff for you now because it gets uh, rather mundane and difficult to understand. But it does indicate that uh, he had the largest improvement in the entire league on deep ball throws from 2019 to 2020. Uh 
It does indicate that Jones' passer rating on deep throws was the highest in the league at 134.3, and his completion percentage on those attempts was 48.7, the fourth highest mark in the NFL. Shook uh, actually goes on to write, Jones still has to prove he has what it takes to help the team be a consistent winner. We all know, quite frankly, that that also involves a lot of other factors. And back to the uh, quotation, he says, but if he remains on this trajectory, we might not be spending much more of our future days debating his viability. So good news for Daniel Jones as he comes to training camp. And you know that we mentioned um, earlier on BBKL that it was back in April that Daniel Jones had actually worked out with a number of his offensive skill position players in Arizona as he tried to get some chemistry going during what has been another strange pandemic offseason here in the National Football League. Well, that'll do it for this edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We will be back again tomorrow with another member of the Giants' historic alumni as we continue to break down different aspects of the Giants roster going into the 2021 season. You can find Big Blue Kickoff Live as part of the Giants Podcast Network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere at Giants.com slash podcast. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Paul Dottino. So long, everybody.